Hello, listener. Welcome back to the main crew. This is the first episode featuring our new players for Iroh and Fox. We had a few character changes that were made, so we talk about those changes up until about 24 minutes in, and then we get started on the gameplay. There's not really much else to say to introduce this episode, so I'll just say thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, so welcome back to Serendipity City. Today we have our uh, two new players for Iroh and Fox. Do you guys want to quickly give an introduction of yourselves and your background? Yes. Good. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brendan. Um, I've been playing uh, RPGs since I was a wee lad all the way in seventh grade. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a long time. Uh, I have a weekly campaign that I have uh, been going for three or four years or so, and I'm really excited to jump into this. And I'm playing Iroh. Yes. That's, yeah, that was a good detail to include. Thank you. Thought of myself. I am Orion. Um, I know nothing. This is my first time uh, doing an RPG or being recorded. Um, I am playing Fox Bodega. That's about it. (laughs) You're doing great so far. Sweet. (laughs) Okay, cool. So the first thing I want to talk about is any changes that we're making. Um, We kind of tried to keep sort of the general gist of the characters, but I also didn't want to, um, I didn't want to like force either of you into the mold of something that somebody else created. And both Iroh and Fox were originally created by different people who are both in grad school and also getting married to each other. So they don't have, as it turns out, they do not have time to follow through, which is totally cool. Um, Back when I went to grad school, I didn't have to get married to the person sitting next to me. So it's, <laughs> it's changed since it's then. It's really remarkable or to so see how far told. we've come. I'm really kind of proud. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you, do you want to start Brendan? Yeah, um, absolutely. So Iroh is still a farmer here in the big city, but I've, made him a bit of an older kind of character. He's sort of a bigger, stockier kind of guy, the kind of guy that's kind of dad age, although he never married and he doesn't have any kids of his own. And um, if you remember the character building episode, he's dealing with this sort of weird situation where he introduced some kind of a change and his community didn't necessarily like the idea. And now his family has disappeared and he has actually come back to the big city in order to sort of investigate what all might have happened because he has reason to suspect there's arcane or magical kinds of things going on, which his community views as bad, but he actually is kind of fascinated by. So he's sort of a older um, gardener who hunts things by night, but is also kind of weirdly fascinated with them. Um, One of the things that I think that really kind of, I don't know if you want to jump into like the, um, uh, uh, personal prerogative type yeah. stuff, directive type stuff. But um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this kind of character is the idea that he's not necessarily like a super violent kind of character, but he is the hunter archetype. So he's really interested in getting to the bottom of things, but he's not necessarily here to like shotgun a bunch of vampires. He really just wants to know like, what is it about vampires and can we coexist with them and stuff like that? So one of the things that I took for his personal directives was prudent, which I believe means if he can defuse a situation, he marks XP. Yeah. If you get out of a situation, when you resolve a charged situation without violence, mark yeah, XP. exactly. Exactly. So, cool. um, Iroh will be, um, uh, a little bit more of like the, uh, um, Malcolm's dad and Malcolm in the middle sort of coming in <laughs> to smooth things out. Yeah. I described it um, when I was talking to everybody about it at our round table after the last gaming session, I described the character as like Indiana Jones meets Giles from Buffy yeah. with like probably a couple of other elements mixed in there, but that seems like, 
kind of an approximation to me. Sure. Absolutely. Brennan's never seen Buffy because he's a heathen. So he's just going with what I said. Listen, <laughs> I've never actually seen Buffy either. Uh, <laughs> I have to continue this because in the middle of the last recording session, they all discovered I've never seen back to the future. And there was like this whole, wow. <laughs> It was a whole thing. Well, we have to stop the recording right now because <laughs> there's far more important things to do. <laughs> That's what they said. Okay. Gloria said that she was going to give me her, not give, bar, let me borrow her box set so that I could watch the trilogy. Oh, no, you know what we should do? Through. Once this season wraps as part of the season wrap party, we should watch Back to the Future. Yes, that, that makes sense amazing. to me. There we go. That's a good idea. I'll understand so many pop culture references that currently <laughs> just go right over my head. <laughs> Basically all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact, Back to the Future is the groundstone for all like 2010 pop culture ever. Ooh, this is heavy, Doc. <laughs> don't laugh at that. You don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Some of it I get through like osmosis, um, but I'd okay. also never seen an episode of The Simpsons until I was like 17, I think. Huh. So it made a lot more sense. I kept People kept telling me that I reminded them of Lisa. And I didn't know what that meant. And then I watched an episode of The Simpsons and I was like, oh, I guess I see it. I guess I get it. Uh, you know, when you said you came from a small town, I was really not <laughs> appreciating how small a town you came from. So we didn't have. Um, yeah, we actually until I was like 17 or 18. That's why I hadn't seen it for so long. We had we didn't have Fox like on the TV. OK, we got ABC, NBC and CBS, which was your favorite. Um, I don't know. Whichever one has. I should quit asking questions so that Ryan can talk about Fox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I think we're still time. Yeah. Uh, so if we want to move away from my lack of pop culture education. Audio Mixer Brennan is going to be like, what is this? This isn't what I'm here to do. <laughs> so, but no, yeah, this is better. Because, Hi, welcome like, to our pop culture podcast where we talk about <laughs> why Michelle still hasn't seen Back to the Future yet. Our pop culture roundtable. It's true. <laughs> Things I missed growing up in Missouri. So many. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a podcast now. All right. We're going to PodCon. Okay. Okay. Your turn. For uh, real. Yeah. So I'm not really changing much from the backstory at all. Just going to kind of like expand on it from what I uh, listened to in the character creation, um, which was that uh, he had a pretty good upbringing, um, a good childhood. Um, I'm going to say he's, he grew up pretty rich and like kind of sheltered. Um, and his brother started to, uh, see things and like be tormented by some kind of demonic force. And no one really, uh, believed him, uh, because they just didn't really live in, in that sort of environment. Um, but, uh, Fox was, was the only one who did. And then when he, uh, his brother disappeared, Fox went looking for him. Um, and that was his first time kind of venturing out of that, that sheltered world. Um, and so he ended up kind of falling deeper and deeper into a hole of, uh, demonic forces and ended up as the tainted eventually, um, which I still um, am not 100% sure what that means, <laughs> but he's got like a um, a demon form that he can transform into, um, and he has to work for someone. Yeah, so actually this is a good um, segue. One of the things that I wanted to address that we didn't really talk about in the world building episode, and wasn't something that I had thought about that much, um, was because... So one thing that I'm trying to like get away from with Serendipity City, um, a lot of the, a lot of the impetus for things that I decided about like the world or the story structure or whatever was kind of like stuff that bothers me about fantasy and then doing the opposite. Mm. And one of those things that bothers me, um, 
because I'm pagan and have been pagan since like, basically I understood what the word meant, which was also fun in rural Missouri, (laughs) but uh, is that a lot of times I feel like there's sort of an arbitrary um, Christian and Christian mythology. And I'm not saying that in like a degrading way, um, but just like there's sort of an arbitrary heavy influence of Christian mythology with there being no reason to be. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was that after I thought about it some more, I think that, um, that like the demons in this world are more of like, the D-A-E-M-O-N-S versus mm. like um, Christian influenced demons. Like they're not necessarily bad. Yeah, they're not necessarily. This is something. Yeah. So um, the word originally came from, uh, I believe, Sumerian. And it was like there was a lot of uh, a lot of it in both Greek and Sumerian cultures. And it was just kind of like any um, non-human, non-God entity that was not really understood by people. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm working up here is like, I have some, I have some ideas for sort of like how their social structure works, um, that I haven't a hundred percent fleshed out yet, but I'm thinking that they're sort of like almost like demigods. Um, so there's probably fewer of them than there would be of like, say the Fae, um, because they're slightly more powerful and they're not necessarily, I don't think they're inherently evil, but they definitely, in my vision, don't really operate on like a human moral code, uh, which is also something that like you see in a lot of. Uh, mythologies around the world. Like it's something, you know, I'm most familiar with um, Northern European mythology. And I think that that's something that you see in like, even the quote unquote good guys, like don't necessarily abide by human rules. Like Odin does a lot of fucked up shit. That's kind of his (laughs) MO. So that's kind of like what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And with that model, so with that model, um, what I'm envisioning for that relationship with Fox is that it's like, uh, like a patron, almost in like the super old school sense, like you have a demon patron, but, um, almost in the super old school sense of like, okay, well I give you money, like I give you money and you get some magical powers, but like you um, have to do things on my say, except instead of producing art, it's um, what are the, what are the demonic jobs that you have? I know the original ones that we had picked were um, tracking down rogue demons and assassinating your patron's enemies. Mm-hmm. Do you want to stick with that? Or yeah, do you I'm feel just like- going to stick with those. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So that's sort so not, of not an evil demon, but still a murder demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, maybe the patrons enemies are the bad people. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I guess you'll find out. That's what I should have said. That was a better thing to say. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, you could just say it right now and then we'll fix it in post. (laughs) I guess guess you'll find out. You have to do it without laughing. Otherwise, (laughs) I can't do that. I'm very bad at keeping a straight face. Um, Ironically, that's one of the things that I get better at the more that I drink. Hmm. You would think, along with playing pool, I discovered that I'm very bad at pool when I'm sober. <laughs> but, like, once I get about three drinks in, my game improves. I see. So. Oh, also, uh, Fox has a pet gecko that uh, hangs out on his shoulder. And it's uh, named Abraham Lincoln, or Link for short. Yes. I yes. like that. I specifically like that because kind of like the same thing as Charles's name is, like, um, when Evan came up with Charles's name, like uh, we hadn't really firmed up the world too much yet. And so I think that he was thinking like alt 1920s, but like still like still earth. Yeah. Still earth. So mm. I really like Abraham Lincoln yeah. because like it's an extremely <laughs> specific name that means nothing in this world. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to come up with like, what's the like most random name that I could choose. <laughs> that is indeed yeah. a random I name. I was like a little bit tempted to ask if I could have a Fox that was named Fox jr. <laughs> but I thought that might be a bit much. Oh, that's super. That's I like it though. Maybe, I maybe, don't know. maybe he has two pets. Yeah. He maybe. also has Fox. Yeah. We'll have to, <laughs> think on it or like 
I don't know. We can, we can think on that because yeah. I'm like, what if it was a shape-shifting pet that was a oh. gift from your patron? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can, uh, can I have one of those in real life, please? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, it reminds me, and then it's, it's like a whole full circle because it reminds me of the, um, the demons or demons in the His Dark Materials trilogy, which were like, did either of you write, read those? Not yet. No. I definitely so didn't, I didn't write them. I didn't read or write those. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Probably not. Um, yeah, no. So, like in that in that world, the the main world that those novels are set in, like every person has like an animal companion that's basically a part of their soul, but exists outside mm. their body, and they shape shift until the person hits puberty, and then they hit like um, once they they settle on one specific form for the rest of the life. So it's like sort of an interesting self. It's a very meta circle. How have I not read those? They're that sounds good. very good. I have them. You can borrow them. Oh man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're super good. Uh, cool. So personal directives for Fox. Did you have anything in mind? Do you want to go over them again um, right now? Yeah. I remember looking at them and I have zero memory of what they were. So those are contradictory. Um, so I will just like read over them quickly. And if you see okay. one or hear one, um, well, that- I do know that one of them is going to be like, uh, if I put my brother over the mission, but I don't remember which one specifically that yeah. was. Yeah, that's um, that's I Filial, think it's, yeah, I think maybe? that's it. It's super interesting because a lot of people, like um, a lot of the players, are going with those sort of um, personal directives, and it's going to give me so many good ways to to screw you guys over on the mission. Um, yeah, so I think that would be like when you put when you put it says when you put your friend, but it would just be when you yeah. put your brother ahead of the mission. Mark experience. Um, so that's one. Let me write that down. Yeah, what that what what is that one called? to adjust the weight. I have like a weird bruise in my back. I'm going back to Croft tomorrow, so I can't have that. Um, Okay, so the other ones are behavioral, which is describe your ethical code when adhering to your code hinders the mission, mark experience. When you put your compassion for the powerless ahead of the mission, mark experience. When your lies about your identity or your past put the mission at risk, mark experience. When you put the advice of blank ahead of the mission, mark experience. When you hinder the mission for a chance at extra profit, mark experience. When you improve your standing or impair a rival standing among blank, mark experience. Describe your belief system when you persuade others to act according to your beliefs, mark experience. When your desire for fame draws unwanted attention to the mission, mark experience. When you suffer one or more harm, mark experience. When your membership in blank hinders the mission, mark experience. When you put your responsibility to blank ahead of the mission, mark experience. When you resolve a charge situation without violence, mark experience. When your former membership in blank hinders the mission, mark experience. When you discover more information about blank, mark experience. When you harm blank or their interests, mark experience. And when you deliberately choose to use violence to overcome a problem, when a nonviolent option exists, mark experience. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to go with the, like, whichever the putting um, the powerless over the mission um, or, like, your compassion for the powerless. Um, yeah, I like that. I yeah, it's- and I think that, you know, since he kind of derailed his entire life to go look for his brother. He obviously, you know, is a very caring person. So I feel like that's fitting. Okay. What, yeah. What I is like that one called? That one is called compassionate. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ira's second one is revealing, which is uh, hunting for information about his family. Oh, right. Sorry. We forgot to talk about that. No, I jumped ahead of it. It was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listener. You've ruined it. It's true. Rain's very disappointed in you. Rain. 
<laughs> Listeners, there's an adorable dog sitting next to me. And I'm going to do my best not to just squeal her name at every opportunity. She's like, I'm trying to sleep. It's true. Okay. Um, so did you have any thoughts on stats, Orion? Stats. Um, uh I, just opinions. Just yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? Of, what Tell do you me think what you think. <laughs> um, no. That's okay. the short answer. Cool. So um, this depends on your starting character stats are one for blood and heart, um, negative one for mind, and zero for spirit. I think... Um, and you get I, to add one to one of those. Yeah, I think I'm going to add one to the mind. Okay. Uh, to bring it to zero, just so it's like a little bit more equal. I don't have like a negative one. Okay. Um, and then I will need to be explained about the factions. Yeah. So the factions, um, the roles that we're, let me pull up the, the roles that use factions um, would be like, if you're, so, so the, the faction stats correspond to the faction roles, um, which would be things like hit the streets, um, which is when you like name who you're going to go to and then you roll with their faction. Uh, and that like you, so you would be like, oh, I'm going to talk to, this is a role that I should have made Gloria do, um, but did not, uh, although I made her do a different one. So I would be like, oh, I'm going to go talk to a dwarf about this and see what they know. And then you would roll like, that would be 2d6 plus wild because dwarves are fey. So they're on the wild faction. Um, there's also like when you're trying to figure out who someone is, um, when you're investigating a place of power that's owned by a particular group. So those are the faction roles. And basically whenever you're trying to like interact with a person who is not a super well-defined NPC yet, um, you'll, you'll be rolling with their faction. So mortality is humans. Um, so that's like people that's both normal people who are not involved with the magical world and people like Charles who are like involved in the magical world, but have no powers. Knight is um, I believe specters and vampires uh, power is oracles and wizards, um, or magic users in general. Um, and then wild is fey and werewolves and tainted. I always, let me double check. Yeah, I was going to ask where tainted fit into that. Yeah. Well, so like based on your adoption of how demons in this world work, wild definitely sounds like the appropriate yeah, one. It sounds, I think it has Listener, I'm looking at Michelle's binder right now. <laughs> and actually, that's a bit of a misnomer as I can't actually see Michelle given the Everest <laughs> of post-it notes towering in front of her. How it's cohering together is a mystery. It's basically the binder equivalent of that um, scene from Sherlock with the conspiracy guy and all the strings, like <laughs> that gif of him waving his hand. That's what my binder is. That's what right. my DM binder is like. Yes. <laughs> okay. So night. Oh, damn. Mortality is humans. Night is creatures of the night who were once human, but have been irrevocably changed into something dark and unnatural. Vampires, werewolves, ghosts. Powers is human beings who have obtained supernatural power or gifts. Um, and then, so wizards, oracles, immortals. Um, wild is otherworldly beings, strange peoples, and demonic creatures that originate from outside of our world. So, fairies, demons, and other bizarre and strange creatures. Well, since I am uh, obviously involved in the demonic world, I think I'll go ahead and add one to wild. So that would make, uh, that would give me two on wild. Okay, cool. And for your moves, um, oh, we should go over these with you too. Cause I think you made some modifications. I did make a couple of modifications. 
um, for your moves, did you um, know which one? These get a little tricky because we're not using the debt mechanics. Um, I was wondering about that. Yeah, so we're not using the debt mechanics. So we could just switch that to like a normal roll where it's like, you know, roll 2d6. And then depending on like where you roll, like if it's a success, then you get to appear. So the normal invocation move for the listener is you may cash in a debt with someone to appear in their presence. Others may cash in a debt with you to have you appear as well. So we could change that to like a normal role, or we could just like not do that one. If there's a different one that you're um, interested in, you get to choose one more from the list below. You get the devil inside by default. Um, I think I'm going to go with tough as nails. Okay, um, cool. So I get one armor, um, blessed and holy sources, ignore the armor and weapons designed to stun or impair me have no effect. Okay, cool. And Brandon. Oh, what did I do? Oh, um, quick question first. Is that just like a constant thing? Like I constantly have one armor or do I have to roll for it? Because it doesn't you say anything about You constantly have okay. one armor. Probably come in handy at some point. Okay. So, I felt like it would. Right, yes. <laughs> so, um. Hello. Kiss you night. Uh, <laughs> which, what are your hunter moves, Brendan? The hunter moves, I, I swapped around a couple of them to reflect Iroh's more dad-like protective nature. Um, I kept book learning. Uh, when you encounter a supernatural creature, roll with mind. Um, and then I took safe house, uh, which allows me to bulk up a secure location, which is uh, Iroh's crummy little apartment, which he's sort of turned into a half fortress, half greenhouse. Um, it has high-tech surveillance, fortified walls, windows, and doors, and a week's worth of food and water. And lastly, I took this way. When you lead people out of danger, roll with blood, uh, and I get some effects depending on how well I do. Okay, cool. That would have come in handy during the last episode. Well, it's <laughs> too bad. Everybody I, was like, I did my best. <laughs> we didn't design our characters to not have <laughs> Iroh and Fox around. <laughs> Uh, but they kept rolling really badly, so. Well, <laughs> that's what happens when grad school makes you get married. Yep. That's exactly what, that's exactly how it works. It's true. All right. I think that is all of our pregame talk. Uh, gear? Gear. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm, it was at sword. I'm going to change that to the shotgun. Okay, cool. Pump action shotgun. Um, and do you, so I know originally the vision for Fox was sort of like, the classy one, like yeah. the money. Do you want to like stick with that aesthetic? Yeah, Do you have a- I'm okay. sticking with that. Cool. Good. Sorry. Cause I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else has any money as it turns out. Um, and then for you, Brendan, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. You picked a big antique shotgun, a silenced cold iron pistol. Yep. A scoped and silenced rifle. Yep. No hand weapons. Cause I doesn't like to get up close and dirty. Nope. Um, dirty clothing, calculating behavior, and can you pronounce the last name? Uh, Kanakaris. Uh, Ira Kanakaris. Okay. Cool. So, now that the game mechanics and character setup is done, let's get back to the world of Serendipity City. It's a sunny afternoon in the city, and so far the day has been quiet and uneventful, but that's about to change. So the other characters are definitely more night owls. So I envision that there's probably a lot of times when it's like 
the bar is open and nobody's in there um, really because it's daytime and you know you're in there like taking notes and drinking Iroh is in there um, taking notes and drinking coffee or does Iroh drink coffee? Yeah. Okay. So cool. He likes he likes a good bean. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, so this is probably like midday um at the speakeasy. Uh let's see like what are you guys what do you feel like you're doing at this particular day? Um, on a speakeasy it's, speakeasy, it's just like an average day, probably around like, let's say noon to one. Um, because I feel like everybody else doesn't get up. Like realistically, I feel like Charlie and Vex and Nancy are probably not usually awakened around until like three or four. So it's just you guys and Dolores, um, in the speakeasy Dolores is like stocking some liquor or something, um, off, off screen. What are you guys doing? So I, uh, have a ridiculous number of like, fruits and vegetables and stuff like that growing back in my apartment. And, uh, Iroh has this like huge trench coat with many, many pockets inside and out. that are always stuffed with all manner of things that he's had growing. And so anytime he stops over at the speakeasy, I think he brings, you know, some mint, some other herbs and stuff like that. Maybe even like a couple of limes or something like that. And he's like chopping them up and prepping them so that Dolores has these on hand, just a sort of a token of good faith, that kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. Oh, and Dolores is the bartender. I don't okay. know. In case, yeah. just in case you don't know, yes. Um, okay. She uh, has a name. <laughs> Get with she, the program box. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm just uh, sitting there watching the chopping happening, um, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> okay, cool. So, not cool. Cigarettes are bad, kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a running, a running theme. Um, has it? <laughs> well, this, so this is what started the whole Back to the Future discussion. Is that oh, really we're back Glor- to that? Yeah, Glory was like, <laughs> and I parked, I parked my motorcycle under a billboard that, that was advertising cigarettes, and I said something like, "Yeah, because then it's the 1920s, and nobody knows that cigarettes are really bad for you yet." And she yep. was like, "That was a Back to like, what's going on?" And I was like, "I don't know, I don't know." <laughs> Anyways, okay, yeah. So, um, you guys are just doing this and Dolores comes out from the back. I imagine uh, the way that the speakeasy is set up, there's like, you know, the, um, clock shop, um, that's the front. And then there's some kind of like entryway into the actual speakeasy, which I don't think we've decided like on camera, what that actually looks like. Then there's the back room that, which is like sort of the uh, base of operations for your group. There's also, we know that there's at least one way out into the alley because that's where um, Vex is always sneaking off to, to talk to her mysterious street children. So Dolores is taking out the trash. Um, she comes back in a couple minutes later and is like, uh, you guys, did you see, did anybody, did anybody come through here just now? No, just uh, been just been us, as far as I can tell. So while I was out um, taking out the trash, I, when I turned back around, there was a note that had been stuck on the door, and it said, "You should." It just said, "You should talk to Zephyr." That's all that the note says. And do you know? I don't know who would have left this, or like who Zephyr is. Does that ring a bell to either of you? Does it? Probably not. I mean, you could roll for it, but... Um, I wouldn't even know which faction to roll for it, unfortunately. So, um, I could roll for all of them. That seems very tedious. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem extremely tedious. Yeah, so let's just say that doesn't ring a bell to either of you. Um, you, got, you got a secret admirer of some kind? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope not. Uh, so, and it's she, like... I roll, like, poke his head out the back door into the alleyway just to see if there's 
you know, someone hiding behind the dumpster or something like that. You don't see anyone hiding behind the dumpster. You do see someone who is wearing like a full hooded cloak thing, which is somewhat unusual in the middle of the day, even in this part of town, like turning around the corner and disappearing. Um, They look about to be average height and build, but that's like all you can see. Uh, Can I, if I'm looking back, can I see where Fox is at? From where I am, um, like yeah. Where are you? Did you follow him, or like, what are you doing right now? If uh, not, I'll just like, just sort of nod my head out the alleyway, just right. to indicate. Yeah, I was just sitting there, but now I yeah. go over to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I, I don't want Dolores getting stalkers around here or something <laughs> like that. I'll gladly, you know, follow at a brisk pace. Right. So, um, if you walk out of the alley at a brisk pace, um, by the time you walk out, you can't see them anymore um there are a couple of buildings that they could have disappeared into there's um you know there's another bar right there that is like you know during the day it's a restaurant um but it's just like a a skeezy small place um none of the none of the um, establishments on the side of town are like super great or classy uh because this is you know the magical sort of slums sure but there's like a bar slash speakeasy slash food place right there um there's like sort of a little thrift store type shop um and then it's just like residences a couple of you know like tenement building type but i don't have eyes on like oh he went that way or something like that no you don't have eyes on uh where they went to specifically uh did you did you see something i was not sure all right yeah well why'd you bring me out here then (laughs) (laughs) well if I did see something, it would have been better to have two sets of hands on hand than one. All right. I roll head back inside. <laughs> All right, cool. So you head back inside, mm-hmm. and um, what happens is Dolores um, is like walking out of the building as you guys are walking towards the entrance, and she goes, "Did you guys see somebody come around just now?" There's- Someone with a hood or something like that. I couldn't tell if they were just some vagrant or something. But, uh... Okay. No sign of them now. Okay, so... She... She says there's a, there's somebody... Somebody just put, like, another note. I don't know how they managed to miss you. And it says... It's about the missing people. Um, I'm assuming that this is meant to be... It's in the same handwriting, so I'm assuming it's meant to be an addendum to the first note. So, together they read, like, uh, You should see Zephyr. It's about the missing people. Well, I feel like we better find out who this Zephyr person is. That would, yes, that would probably be good. A, a good, good action. first step. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, how do you think you guys would like approach that? Is just- there Google? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that old 1920s Google. <laughs> What's the magical equivalent of Google? Well, so there are a couple different ways you could approach it. Um, you could, if you have like, if you feel like you have a particular contact in mind um you could like roll with the faction to go to that contact um you could like go check out the local bars that are right around here um i think we should check out the thrift store that might be uh you know where he got his cloak or they got their cloak all right just to backpedal really quick do we know anything about like the missing um workers to do with like the union uh business or anything like that you wouldn't have heard of that um yet okay because because that's like the timeline i'm leaving the timeline synchronous kind of yeah like um this that's like 
Lachelle doesn't show up until later this night um, while so, you guys are hopefully gone. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> we don't need any Assuming we survive. Yes. Yeah, so so is there a missing persons like case going down in the city that we're aware of? So the way that I envision this is that there are people disappearing a lot, but it's hard to say, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to say how much of it is magical and how much of it is not because like there are people who are disappearing, like Nancy's family um, disappeared when, or her parents rather, because she doesn't have any siblings disappeared when she was very young. Like um, your, you know, so that like your family, your brother. Uh, so there are like people that go missing on a regular basis, but people are never really sure whether, it, whether it's like, Oh, this is um, a magical thing or like, maybe this person just got murdered and like the cops don't care enough to look into it. Or like maybe this person double crossed the wrong company old holder or something like that. Like, but there are a fair amount of like missing people on both sides of the river at any given time in the city. Okay. So this is very vague and it could be any number of things. Got it. Thank you. Well, we should probably actually check some of the bars first, because I actually doubt that someone leaving mysterious letters would go to the thrift store. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you said that there were some, like, seedy bars and stuff and stores, buildings around. Yeah, so there's a bar, um, I hope I'm not messing this up, because I have not re-listened <laughs> to this episode quite yet. Um, there's a bar that is both a hot spot for the anarchists and the dwarves somehow. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap in this particular bar that is where a lot of the Bindle Punks hang out at. Um, so the Bindle Punks are the local anarchist collective that likes to rabble rouse with um, the companies on a regular basis. Uh, so... I don't think I don't. Yeah, it doesn't have a name, um, but you can head there. Like sounds like I don't think the anarchists would want to frequent a place that has a name. Yeah, that's not cool, (laughs) right? No, that means they're part of the system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, yeah, this is this is a thing that's come up a lot because there are a lot of places on the especially on the south side of the river where there's all of the magical people that don't have names. But it's kind of like, well, if it's you know, if it's um if everybody knows each other on the side and if it's, especially if it's like some kind of illicit establishment, it doesn't necessarily make sense for it to have a name sure. in my opinion. Yeah. Anyways, it's true. Not super important. <laughs> so I believe the, um, Oh yes, I remember now. So the, you head to this, um, you head to this establishment. It is probably like a decent walk. I'm going to say like 10 to 15 minutes. It's not super far away. Um, it's still on, the I'm going to show you a map, Orion, because I don't think I have yet. I don't. Well, actually, I don't think I've showed either of you a map yet. So, would this mysterious person be able to get all the way there without us, you know, seeing them? Like it's around a corner and all that. Um, possibly. So, one of the things to know and to remember is that there's um a cave network and like a sewer mm. system uh, that hooks up with the cave network under the city so it hasn't been um people traveling like that hasn't really been quote-unquote shown like on screen thus far Mm -hmm. in the podcast but but it's possible yeah i certainly imagine that um that it's possible that someone would be able to or like take back alleys or Mm -hmm. some other way um and get to this bar before you without you being seen or get away without being seen Mm -hmm. uh if they if they know what they're doing and they know the neighborhood Mm -hmm. So Iroh does not know the neighborhood. He stays in, in the streets. <laughs> That's the end of the sentence. <laughs> can I have like a personal driver? <laughs> <laughs> you can say, I think that it makes sense. 
sorry. Man. Feel that. the worst. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense that you have, like, a personal driver sometimes. Like, probably when you're on <laughs> official, like, business of your patron or something, maybe. They just come and go. Yeah. Like, maybe when the driver shows up, you know that you've got a job to oh, do. Oh, that's really good. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, In this instance, I think we're good to walk, especially since we're kind of looking for the guy along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that probably makes sense. So, yeah. So, you walk to this um, establishment. It's relatively close. And the front for this place is a bookstore, like an, an anarchist bookstore. <laughs> Great front. No yes. one would ever guess. Yes. No one. It's certainly not going to attract any. I believe what I said the last time I talked about it was that, like, they get raided by the police on a regular basis. But the police are so preoccupied with the books that they don't really, like, <laughs> fuck with the speakeasy. <laughs> that is so, actually smart. <laughs> yeah. So, it's kind of like a... Oh, weird diversionary tactic that somehow works. Um, so it's like this very grimy secondhand bookstore. Um, everything is like dusty. There's this there's this particular bookstore that I was in once, um, and I think it was Fayetteville, Arkansas, that I always that I think of when I, that I use as inspiration for this place um, because there's no way to describe. It was like a converted house, and it was chaotic, and there was never any. Like at no point in this bookstore was there more than like four feet of open space because books were stacked in shelves like up to the ceiling. Um, there were like random ladders and step ladders lying all over the place. There were also just like tables with piles of books on them. I don't know how these people ma- did inventory, um, but that's the kind of place that I was thinking of when I talked about this uh, bookstore front last time is that it's very maze-like. It's super easy to get lost in this like house that's been converted into a like secondhand bookstore. There's, you know, um, like extremely retro zines uh, also on the tables with like all of the books. Um, there's a bunch of like anarchist theory books and um, politics and whatever this universe's equivalent of like Karl Marx would be. But there's also like some really bad pulp science fiction on these tables. (laughs) So you weave your way through here. I'm assuming you've probably been here before, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Iroh likes to study the local color. Absolutely. (laughs) He's literally just fascinated by everything. Cool. So, um, you weave your way through the stacks. Um, you kind of like, there's somebody up front who's the like nominally the cashier, but most of the time is like reading or eating or like talking to somebody. Um, they are not doing a super great job with retail customer service. I feel like Iroh has like tried to become this person's best friend and has failed at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Like, still doesn't even know what their name is. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably definitely like, um, one of those, I don't know if you ever meet those people and they're like, in their early 20s and they just seem super cool and you're like I want to be your friend but also I'm totally aware that I look like just a weird old person to yeah, you yeah. like because anybody older than 25 to you is just ancient but you seem really cool and smart so how old I, is Iroh sorry Iroh is like 43 okay yeah yeah so uh, Iroh is just immediately like hey did you, did you pick up that that volume on spuds that, that I recommended <laughs> uh, that one you know they, they really know their stuff it's a little, a little out of date but still yeah you know, I, I know it's not you know the most compelling read but um, <laughs> you know that one that one or the the rutabaga uh, t- testimonies <laughs> the rutabaga testimonies yeah absolutely <laughs> that's wonderful well it's mostly about rutabagas but it's also a little bit about life <laughs> fox is just like oh god <laughs> yeah and this person definitely like looks up at you and is kind of like 
yeah, no, and then goes back to <laughs> oh, writing sure. whatever. No, I understand. There's there's lo- lots to read, but you know, no, move 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 it to the top of your pile. It's it's really worth it. I promise. <laughs> yeah, they don't even look up. They're just like, uh huh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and so you guys work through the rest of the. Um, sorry, I'm stuck on this now. Like the rutabaga testimonies has to be some kind of really bad cover band. <laughs> they're like a vegan, um, like indie. They're like a vegan, weaker than's cover band. That's who they yes, are. That's sorry, good. I'm I'm done now. <laughs> that was bothering me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you weave your way through this bookstore, and like at the very very back, there's um. I don't remember if I gave specific details on the door last time, so hopefully I'm not contradicting myself. But even if I am, whatever. Um, at the very, very back, there's like a bookshelf that just looks like all of the other bookshelves, but it swings open um, or maybe slides to the side. That would probably be easier architecturally. So it slides oh, to the side. Or what if it's a giant book that opens? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be very silly. Giant book door. <laughs> That'd be very Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> They're whimsical anarchists. Sure. Anyways, yeah. So you walk through, you're, you're in the bar. Um, there's, it's mostly humans. Um, there are a couple of people. So it's mostly humans who are anarchists. You, you might've seen them like working at the front at some point or like in the bookstore or possibly in your speakeasy. Um, because the anarchists in particular are not super concerned about, um, intermingling with like magical people. Uh, they're, uh, by the virtues of the society, they're already kind of pariahs. And I imagine that there's probably a whole lot of like, um, uh, there's a specific like social justice word that I'm looking for here that I can't remember, but there's probably a lot of like, yeah, we're both crushed by the man. We should rise up together sentiment with the anarchists. Um, very commiserate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very, very commiserate. Um, so they, yeah. So there's a mostly humans, probably like 75% humans. Um, there's definitely a couple of tables that look like potential magical sorts. There's like somebody, in the back corner um, with a lot of tattoos that look vaguely magical, like full sleeves, um, dark hair, dark eyes. There's a table with like three dwarves talking at it and drinking. Um, There's a table that is like various people who look um, like if you look too close, they like they've kind of got a shimmering aura thing going on where like, if you look too close, you see flashes of like form that don't look quite human. And then there's um, a bunch of, anarchists like uh, you know just human kids all in there i mean not all kids probably ranging from like 16 to i mean like 40 45 like i don't imagine that they're all super young people um and there's a bar and people are drinking <laughs> even though it's like noon because <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes yeah i was just immediately fascinated whenever he spots someone new that looks even vaguely magical he is just absolutely like you know trying not to be like too like hypnotized by it but he keeps stealing glances this way and that just every everything that seems magical is just utterly fascinating to him yeah i can see that especially so much so that he stops following fox (laughs) throughout the the room yeah (laughs) do you see the person you thought you saw earlier uh do i um well there's nobody here that's wearing a cloak um the person you didn't really get a good look at them um, average height, average build. So there's like a number of people. I mean, obviously not the dwarves, unless there were like three of them in a cloak. Oh, <laughs> sometimes you never bad. know. <laughs> so sometimes a family is just three dwarves in a cloak. Uh, it's d- difficult to tell, I'm afraid. But maybe, maybe someone here has heard of uh, this Zephyr character, whoever they are. Yeah, we should start asking around. 
Yeah. Um, so where do you go first to do that? Uh, definitely, I would say someone magical. Um, how about the person with the tattoos? The person with the tattoos. Okay. Um, so you walk up to this person and they've got, like I said, dark hair. Um, I'm picturing it like sort of shoulder length. Um, dark eyes, like so dark brown, they're almost black. Um, brown skin, like they've, they're wearing like a sort of like a tank top tunic thing. Mm-hmm. So you can see that they have like full sleeves with um, very dark, like, symbols on them mm-hmm. um they're not i mean i can't i can't figure out the best way to word it but like they clearly look like magical symbols like in this world they would uh, be yeah. you know like the astrological symbols or um runes or like do i know like what kind of magic or um, just kind of a general magician type thing a wizard roll for yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> finally um oh yeah that's right we haven't rolled yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe power. Um, what your options are, how you want to approach this, and you can tell me which move you think fits best. Uh, this is for either or both of you, um, I based not on roll for power <laughs> the way you want to approach it. So, if you want to, oh, actually, this would perfectly be put a face to a name or vice versa, which would be roll with their faction, which would be power. So, you're going to roll two d six plus your power stat. Okay, four. Oh. I got zero on the power. Yeah. Okay. Well, luckily, so I just like awkwardly, like, hi. Yeah. So, and you don't know. <laughs> so, the way this move works is you roll with their faction when you're trying to put a face to a name or vice versa. Um, on a hit, you know their reputation. On a 10 plus, you've dealt with them before. And on a miss, you don't know them or you owe them. Excuse me. Well, I hope I make- don't owe them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make this, um, especially since this is your first game. I'm going to make this easier on you. So you, you just don't know them. Like you don't yeah. know them. You've never interacted with this person before. So I imagine you just like walk up and are like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, just so- immediately start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me in real life. Oh, <laughs> oh social anxiety. Yay. Um, fantasy, social anxiety. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, so you walk up and you say hi. What are you doing, Iroh? Are you following? Are you are, are you like taking notes on what's going on in this bar? No. Okay. He's, he's not so like bookwormy that he's not you know, he's he's perfectly happy to just say hi to people, but I think he's gonna let Orion handle that. But um Ira's gonna go to the bar and depending on how that plays out, um he might start uh trying to get the ear of whoever's working the bar. Okay, cool. So you walk up and you say hi to this person and they, um, I can't remember if I gave this person a gender or not yet. Uh, I think I said she, I I don't remember either. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So she said, she looks up and she goes, Oh, hi. Um, can I help you? Uh, that depends. (laughs) (laughs) Is Iroh good at talking to... I mean, is Fox good at talking to strangers? Apparently not. <laughs> We're just I discovering like this. I very much because this means that Fox is, like, this incredibly, like, competent character in some ways, but I guess just not great at talking to people. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yes, it's very good. Um, this is funny, too, because I think that that matches the stats. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you say? That can be in character or not. Take it however. Well, 
my friend over there uh, thought that he saw <laughs> someone uh, that left a mysterious note for us. Um, do you happen to know anything about that? About your friend or about mysterious notes in general or about a mysterious note in specific? Uh, well, it was a specific note. Um, okay. I currently don't remember what it said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It said, um, it basically told you to find Zephyr and talk to them about the missing people. Something uh, to that effect. I I remember, uh, there was a name Zephyr. Do you know anything about that? Um, let's, you're going to need to roll for this again. Let me see what move this is. I honestly really hope that I get a low roll. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? I'm going to make this, this conversation as awkward as possible. (laughs) Sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to figure this out because, um, most of the roles are intended to be like talking, like finding things out about the specific person that you're talking to. Um, versus like there's. We just like flip it to be around a specific person I'm asking about. Yeah, let's go ahead. And it seems like you're going to be rolling with um, mind no matter what. So go ahead and roll 2d6 plus mind, which is also zero, <laughs> I believe. At least it's not a minus. Oh, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, cool. As you succeed. Orion, congratulations. Thank you. I would high five you, but I'm too far away. There we go. <laughs> Okay, so you rolled 2d6 plus mine, and you got a 9. Yep. Um, And so she blinks, and she says, I think, um, I don't know them personally, but that sounds like a fey name to me. Um, Why are you looking for them? That is a good question. Uh, I don't have an answer. Uh, (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, I told you there was a note. Uh, right. That's, so I mean, I think there's something about missing people. I, I don't know what people, but somehow right. has a connection to this person. Well, people go missing all the time. Well, uh, see, that's what I thought, but I don't know. There's not usually mysterious notes left at our door about all the missing people. Like, I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't. Who are you again? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so she, like, she's somewhat, she's not, um, not, like, she's not taken aback in that way where she's, like, clearly uncomfortable. She's mostly, like, bemused by this situation and by your clear discomfort. (laughs) Um, And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, So she, like, stops and thinks again for a second. She says, no, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I I know Zephyr, um, the name rings a bell, but I, I really don't think I've met them. I'm, I'm sorry. I think that I can't be of any more help to you. She's like, she shrugs and she's like, you might try talking to like one of the Fae or, you know, one of those, one of those groups that's tight with the Fae. I don't know. Um, that's a good idea. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Is there anything (laughs) else I can do for you today? No, I think we're good. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Um, and I'm just going to walk over and see what he's doing. Yeah. So she just like, yeah, like, yeah, it gives you like a awkward. We both just did awkward half waves at each other, which I feel like is really good because it just completes <laughs> completes the circle. 
So after the exceedingly um, awkward and yet somewhat fruitful conversation with a stranger, Fox heads over to the bar where Iroh is observing I, this whole thing. You, you get what we needed to know is this, this situation is put to rest. We can, we can head back. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, think, oh. I mean, we know we have to talk to a fae now. Uh, that's about it. So, I mean, we should probably look for a fae. Oh. It seemed like you had pretty much everything everything in hand over there. <laughs> no. I Is this sass? Is Iris sassing? No, or is he no. Being genuine? I, mean, <laughs> I was doing my best, okay. Well, no, I'm 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 I am not <laughs> Fine, fine, fine. Let's just go find a fae. Well, I mean, we we know who we're looking for, right? I'm just I'm Ira's, Ira's going to look around and see if there's a bartender anywhere within earshot. Um, there's probably, like, let's say they're at the end of the bar. Okay. Um, they're not, uh, like, actively listening in, probably technically within earshot, <clears throat> um, but they're, like, cleaning glasses Ira's, or something. Ira's going to do that move where he, like, holds a bit of currency up to indicate that he would like to make a purchase of some kind. Like you do when you're at a bar. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. As you do. So the bartender um, like catches that out of the corner of their eye and walks towards you and is like, hey, what can I do for you? Um, he's just going to like, without like too much fuss, just drop it into either their hands or the tip jar just immediately and just be like, hey, how do you do? How do you do? Listen, um, we're, we're scooting around uh, this, this part of town looking, looking for Zephyr, Zephyrin. Um, no, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't ring any bells to me. I don't think that that's someone that we have in here. Do you, are they a regular here? Is that why you're asking or? That's, that's what we were led to believe. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I spend a fair bit of time up front, but, uh, I hadn't heard of him before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, listen, I, I'm, I'm about a bit, as much in the dark as you. Um, uh, apparently they're part of the, the fake crowd that comes in here. You, you got some fae folks in here that might be regulars? Um, we have the dwarves. We have some people who come in. I'm not sure if they're fae or not. Um, we have some, we get all sorts in here, really. So we have some fae. We have some, uh, some people that I'm not really sure about, honestly. Sure, sure. Um, and then we have, we tend to have like the shifters and they incline their head towards the table of people that I mentioned earlier who like you could see. Um, you could see sort of their image flickering every now and then didn't look quite human. Um, he's like, so we get, I mean, we get all sorts in here. We could have had them. Uh, I, but I don't know that the name isn't ringing a specific bell for me. I think we've had, um, you know, we had, we had a group of Faye in here the other week and they all had violet eyes, which was extremely unusual, but mm. that's like, that's really about all I can tell you, man. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Shifters, dwarves, violet eyes. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. What's your name? Um, their name is Morgan. Morgan. Thank you so much, Morgan. Cool. Service I just realized fo- I probably should have made you roll for one of those Ser- Service workers like it when you learn their names. Yes. I'm going to whisper to Iroh, I think that you should do the talking from now on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, I, I wasn't trying to sass you before. I was trying to, I was trying to be legitimate. You went over there, just walked to a, to a perfect stranger, just did your best to get some information, and you came away with some information. Seems, well, thank seems, you. Seems like you did everything you set out to do. Thank you. All right, now do it again with those folks over there, the shifters, I think we call them. <laughs> uh, okay. 
so I guess I'm going to go over to the shifters. I'll come over with them this okay, time, just to yeah. sort of, you know, just sort of back up. This this is my son. He's going to ask you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does We're not training say that. together. He does not say that. I'm helping him be Can better we with have strangers. That be like a running thing. <laughs> Uh, how old is how old is Fox? Have we di- have we discussed Fox specifically? Um, I don't think so. But just from the time frame that was already laid out, I would say he was somewhere around like twenty eight. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking was like twenty five to twenty nine ish. Yeah. Also, um, unrelated, but callback to future. The first time when you said Iroh is dad age, callback to future, callback to past. I thought you said <laughs> Iroh. Is, you said he's like kind of dad age. I heard Iroh is kind of a daddy, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's where we're going to take the character. <laughs> I I, I, I'm experienced. I, I don't know if I have quite the chops to take on the role of daddy just yet. Perhaps, uh, perhaps someday. So you'll get there. <laughs> I, I am glad that I decided to make Iroh clean shaven because uh, burly goatee or anything like that might really kind of set a different tone for Iroh and Fox just sort of slumming around the bar <laughs> around noon. <laughs> Actually, on second thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay back at the bar. Not <laughs> uh, there's anything wrong with that. I just don't want it to be distracting from the the current purpose. All right, so <laughs> good luck, uh, Fox. Yeah. You walk up to this table. Um, these people are all wearing different things. It's like a pretty diverse group of people. Um, they're all talking heatedly as you walk up um there's a it's probably like an even group of men and women let's say like three three um they all seem to be deferring to a woman um with uh like a black woman with braids and she has you can see when she's moving her arm that there's a very bright tattoo of like a lightning strike um that symbol for you know what I'm talking about. I don't know like what the word for that actual symbol is, but like the lightning symbol, like for electricity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Right? Do we know? Are we just, okay? Just cool. Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she's got that like that's on her wrist, and she's wearing sort of like a um, a really pretty blue like shirt um, that's like three quarters sleeve, so you can see it poking out as like she moves. They're all talking heatedly. They all seem to be deferring to her as like the leader of the group as you walk up. Um, do you like say anything to sort of interject into the conversation or do you walk up and like wait for them to finish talking? What's their their conversation about? So they're arguing, um, they're arguing this is something that was referenced in the world building episodes. There's kind of a rift, uh, between like the werewolves and the shifters, the, the werewolves specifically. And then the like non werewolf shapeshifters in this world. Um, the werewolves are larger population wise and tend to have like a little bit more power and have a little bit more turf. And as far as the werewolves are concerned, the other shapeshifters are like inferior to them and should sort of like the werewolves want a hierarchy where uh, they're on top and the shapeshifters are on the bottom. Obviously the shapeshifters are not super fond of that. So they're all arguing about that. Basically um, they're talking about the latest move that Felix, um, Okay. Okay. Uh, they're talking about the latest move that Felix did, um, where he like, you know, one of one of his groups attacked um, attacked like some of one of their groups, seemingly unprovoked, and they're arguing with the woman whose name is Impy. Um, they're arguing with her about like what should be done. There are some people there who think that they should try and make sort of like a peace with the werewolves. There are some people there who think that they should attack back as fast as they can and like possibly recruit other factions onto this. There are some people who want to do like sort of a peace treaty talks. Um, and 
the woman is impy is listening to like all of these and trying to keep things from getting too heated when it starts to get like, you know, um, when it starts to get, I guess, heated. What she's trying to keep things from uh, moving into like physical violence as everyone is arguing. Okay, so I'm gonna walk up there and I'm gonna jump into the conversation and be like, so you know, I have a lot of shapeshifter friends. <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's it. They all—they're all. They're all <laughs> They all stop. <laughs> Brendan is currently pinching his nipples. Um, they all stop. This is Iroh doing this. Okay, this is Iroh. Okay, Iroh is at the bar. Oh, um, my like- boy. <laughs> I abandoned my boy. Uh, so, uh, Iroh, or yeah, so Iroh's at the bar um, wondering Dying. what he hath wrought. And um, all of them stop and look at you. Um, the people who were advocating for like out and out violence um, look more visibly annoyed. <laughs> Everybody else is just kind of like their faces are ranging from like, is this a joke to like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's kind of a um, confused to angry. And um, the, le- <laughs> the leader woman looks at you and says, I'm sorry, can we help you? <laughs> Which I think is the second time you've heard those words today. Yes. Um, actually, you know what? Forget I said that. Uh, I have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's not about shapeshifter politics. Uh, I, completely unrelated, in fact. Uh, there was this figure that my friend saw <laughs> running away um, from our place and there was a note left um and on it it says something about a person named zephyr do you have any idea who that might be (laughs) you're you're gonna need to roll for this um i got uh in case you're wondering ryan this is what all rpgs are like yes yeah Yeah, you're picking it up great so far it's fun you asked the group if they know a zephyr um and what did you roll a 10 10 Yes, which is, I believe, a complete success in the Powered by the Apocalypse systems. Yeah, so you ask them that, and they stop looking. They still look mildly annoyed. Yeah, so they still look mildly annoyed, depending on the person, like I said. Like, some of them, um, the actual leader, again, just looks kind of, like, bemused. Like I get that a like, lot. Yeah. <laughs> the other, <laughs> apparently, like just the other side of annoyed, like she would be annoyed, but she's also kind of amused that you're so awkward. <laughs> uh, the, the other members of the group, like their expressions range from like really annoyed to kind of just like, whatever, let's just like talk to this person so that they can get their answer and we can continue our important conversation. Um, but the the leader MP like she stops and she thinks and she said Zephyr yeah I think that they're one of the Silver Oak Fay that's like I think uh, sometimes they drink here they're they're really easy to spot they've all got like this weird obsession with the color purple so most of them have like violet eyes sometimes they just like incorporate sometimes they just wear a lot of purple or have pendants or whatever she stops and she thinks again she's like i think that's like uh that's like about it really but i don't yeah like i think that i think that they're a member of the silver oak fae but i don't know them personally why 
oh right you told you told them why and you're very weird (laughs) your journey your journey of a story (laughs) about strangers and notes i um i'm gonna turn around towards iroh and i'm gonna yell across the bar (laughs) i don't know how far how far away are we probably like i'm gonna say five feet like, <laughs> Brennan's like, please God, um, it's like the equivalent of like across the room. Like, okay. this isn't this isn't like a huge establishment. Um, okay. That's like a backroom speakeasy. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at him. Did the person you see happen to be wearing? Well, it, Jesus, <laughs> did, did the person you see happen to be wearing purple? My boy is yelling at me across <laughs> the bar. That was I don't think the person I would have noticed if their cloak was purple or something. Yeah, I mean they were, it was like just like a black or like I just it was like, like shrug a- helplessly back at Fox <laughs> like what's going on? All right, uh then I turn back to the group. I'm just like Thanks, you were very helpful. And I walk back over to you. That's it. <laughs> and they, the table is like dead silent for a second as they all watch you go with like various like, what? Uh, and then they um, turn back to each other and sort of like shrug and then immediately continue arguing very vigorously with each other. So right. I'm assuming you go back to the yeah, bar and really. I go back all over right, to right. so, Once again, you've, you've accomplished your goal. But <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I think that perhaps next time we should work a little more on the the art of subtlety, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily grind the potato to a halt if you're uh, trying to, you know, yield a good harvest. You know what I mean? No. You, wanna, <laughs> you, you don't want to overwork it is what I'm saying. You, you want to be very delicate. You want to you cut those eyes just very precisely. Maybe it would have been better if you had come with me. I don't want to. As previously planned. You don't want to gang up on him, you know? It presents a little bit too much of a, a front, you know? You know, just just right. slide in, just just be, just be. I'll I'll try that next time. All right, so purple, purple, purple. Okay, they are apparently obsessed with purple. Okay, um, and that's what's with the eyes. Though I don't understand how they are able to choose their eye color. Oh. Um, I, so that's like a fae thing. Like they can uh, all change their appearance at will, basically. Um, sort of like. You know, it's a faith thing. They can change their appearance at will. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Iro's done research on this. It's fascinating. It's absolutely remarkable to me. It's uh, an enviable kind of feature, if you ask me. Uh, Morgan mentions there's other folks uh, come in every now and then with uh, purple eyes, but I don't think they're in the bar presently. Is that correct? No, they're not in the bar presently. So, also, um, sorry, so, so you can go ahead. No, please. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say slide aside, um, which I think you would, like, Ira would know if he's been reading about it or talking to people about it. You might know, like, through um, tangential contact. So the way that the Fae work um, in this city is that they tend to be in, like, they tend to split up amongst themselves into groups. So, like, obviously there's the dwarves, but even among the dwarves, there's different groups of dwarves, like, each with their own goal. Um, and then there are people who are, like, not actively part of any group and are just trying to live their lives. The fae, in the more, in the more like, classical sense of, like, the Irish she, or, like, what people might think of if they think of, like, elves or something like that, they all have the ability to like glamour people which is where the changing appearance comes in so it's one of those things where it's like oh well are they really changing their appearance or are they just changing everyone's perception of it does it really matter i don't know up to you (laughs) so they are much more concerned with like um intergroup politics kind of like how the werewolves and the shapeshifters are slightly different because it doesn't necessarily manifest in like turf wars kind of ways but they're all very concerned with like intergroup politics like like court politics um sort of the equivalent of that and one of their things is that like there are the different groups uh different subgroups of fae or courts if you will if you wanted to use that term 
And so when someone joins up with a particular group, a lot of times there's like a change in appearance that comes with it. And like, that's a, like a signal of your commitment to the group that you're willing to basically do this like permanent glamour as part of like your almost like initiation into the group. Did Fox relay the Silver Oak faction information? Yes. Great. (laughs) Um, Can I roll to see if I know anything about this particular sect or court? Yeah. Um, So that would be wild. Okay. Which I have a zero in, which is still better than what it could have been. Because once upon a time, it was negative one. Yes. Which is lower than zero. It's true. That's how math works. It's true. Or so I'm told. Okay. I'm going to roll the dice now. Okay. Seven. Not great. Okay, on a hit, you know their reputation, and I will tell you something that most people know about them. Okay. So, what most people know about them, they're actually um, somewhat elusive. They're not, like, as hands-on. Some of the groups of Fae are, like, extremely hands-on in not just, like, the Fae court politics, but also, like, actively... Like the workings of the city, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like they're actively obsessed with like the corporations and what's going on there and like what how the groups of dwarves are interacting with each other and how the werewolves and the shapeshifters are interacting with each other and where the demons come into play and all of this. What you know is that this group is a little less elusive. They're a little less concerned with like actively meddling with everyone else. Um, do you think that there might be some kind of a like religious or pseudo-religious aspect to joining this particular court um, that you're not super familiar with um, because that's one of those things that's like it's kind of known it's kind of whispered about but it's also kind of kept under wraps and um, this group of fae actually in a slightly unusual aspect for some of the groups of fae tends to get along really well with um, some sets of the demons I relay all this to Fox I got the demon part down (laughs) you do have that going for you yeah, so now we have, like, new information. What are you guys going to do with that? <laughs> it's true. We do have this. So it seems as though uh, we could try to uh, stake this place out, but I think maybe... Uh, might take a while. Might take a while. There's no real guarantee it's going to happen today anyway. Mm-hmm. Might do better to see if we can find their stomping grounds. Ask them face-to-face. Do we have an idea where that might be? Not yet. You do not. Okay. okay. I've got an idea. Yes. Tell me your idea. So... Iroh came to the city and he's absolutely fascinated with magic of all kinds. Um, you know, and as we've seen, that results in awkward situations every now and then. But Iroh himself is not without skills and without some degree of charm. And so I think he's got maybe like a couple of connections that are actually willing to talk to him about these kinds of things. And in particular, I think maybe he's got a uh, friend that works at a library or something like that that he might be able to use as a resource for. Uh, maybe magical connections around town, that kind of thing. And that's where we're leaving our heroes this week, Iroh and Fox discussing their next steps in the Anarchist Bar, surrounded by folks magical and non. Come back next week to find out what they decided on and what they do next. Thank you for listening to Serendipity City. Our players today were Orion and Brendan. I've put their links in the episode description. Our audio editor is Brendan Hutchins, and you can keep up with him at podcastadvocate.network. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at the links in the description. If you want sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes content, NPCs named after you, or other bonus stuff, make sure to check out the Patreon. The link is in the description and also on our site at serendipitypod.com. Many thanks to patrons like Melody Burton for making it possible for me to spend more time on this. 
We're playing a combination of The Sprawl by Hamish Cameron and Urban Shadows by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman, with a few things added in here and there from Dungeon World by Sage Latour and Adam Coble. All of these are hacks of Apocalypse World. Sound effects and music were a combination of public domain and free-to-use music. There's a full track list in the episode description and Battle Bards. Our next episode will go up on March 27th. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or telling a friend about us. That's the only way that we can find new listeners. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 